the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with this time Max Hartington. Hello, Max. Hello, Danny. So we are here looking at Max's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We also look at another action classic from Max in in, in part three. Each month he brings us another um, action film to to share with us uh, because uh, Max is a big fan of 80s action movies. Massive fan. Any sort of action film. Well, if it came out... This it, was not an 80s one, but it's near 80s, isn't it? It's well, It's that sort of era isn't it we it's sort of classic action classic yeah, classic action we'll of. go with classic I think it very much embodies sort of the 80s but it sort of yeah. takes, it, takes it a bit further yeah, but yeah. We, that's something to look forward to it's 80s plus 80s plus <laughs> I don't know when it is exactly I'm guessing it's early 90s but anyway we'll come to that one later when we set, tell people what it is uh, in the second part we'll be looking at new releases on uh, Netflix uh, just Netflix this time around but we start off first with some new releases in the cinema both these films I believe come out on the 15th of April this Friday the 15th of April Okay, or today if you're listening or not if you don't know because it may not be today when they li- or today it will be when they're listening but they don't know when today may be no. so on the 15th of April uh, the first film is The Northman. Of course, The Northman. So this uh, 2002... 2022? <clears throat> this 2022 film, because that's the year we are currently in. Really great great radio work right there. I can feel the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, this 2022 uh, historical epic fantasy film, uh, directed by Robert Eggers, it, uh, basically tells the story of a Viking played by... Um, Robert Skarsgård, who has his... Uh, Alexander Skarsgård? Alexander Skarsgård. I'm That's just it. calling on this really great... It's right, it's right Max. No one's going to know. It's done. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so Alexander Skarsgård is in it. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård stars as Amleth, the Viking warrior prince, who, as a child, has his uncle betray him. Uh, his uncle kidnaps his mother and uh, murders lots of people in his family, and then runs away, runs away disappears somewhere into the wilds. Uh, we have Alexander Skarsgård growing up into the ridiculously buff you know sort of a viking viking murder machine that he appears to be in the film when he has a vision that tells him that he has to go and uh get back the family that that was taken from him and get revenge on his uncle so it's you know it sounds very sort of shakespearean in a way i suppose who else is in it it's got some pretty good names in there hasn't it excellent cast so nicole kidman actually stars as uh, alexander skarsgård's mother she's playing queen gudrun lots of very uh danish names in here just going through it uh we've got uh, Clay's bang is Fjolnir, uh, Amnus' uncle, so the the big bad guy of the film. It's going to be. I I don't think it's going to be a spoiler that he's a big nasty guy. We're going to be you know really disliking the whole film, having seen the trailer for it. Uh, Annie Taylor Joy, who is obviously making a sort of um, name for herself, uh, last night in Soho, being the most. The oh, more she was really one. good in that, wasn't she? I haven't seen that one. Yet, but okay, I, well t- trust me, she's really good in that. Oh, I, so I, the Queen's Gambit is the one I'm thinking of as well. Oh, okay, really yep, fantastic yep. in that the Netflix one. Mm-hmm. Um, she also starred in. Uh, Bit of a segue here. There we go. Uh, she starred in Robert Eggers' The Witch as well, or the the Vivitch. Uh, never too sure on the titling of that one. But okay, that so the, the director of this, Robert Eggers, that she she's worked with him before. Then. Yes, yeah. Okay. So so it seems to be that, that lots of old stars. Uh, Willem Dafoe, of course, is making an appearance as well as uh, Jaime the Fool. <laughs> Okay, uh, Ethan Hawke's in there as well, I noticed. Uh, and, and also the uh, pop star Bjork is in the movie. Um, plays Ceres. If you have someone called, if, if your name is Bjork, you've got to make an appearance in a Viking film, don't you? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Bjork, uh, who uh, maybe maybe she's not that well known to you, but she certainly was, was quite the pop star in the 90s, had a, a few massive hits back then. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's in there as well. Well, now she's a Viking CRS. Mm, makes sense, really. Yeah. So uh, there you go. That's The Northman, an action-filled epic following a young prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. And that one comes out on Friday the 15th of April, as does 
uh, a film uh, set a bit closer to home, but but a very long time ago, uh, we have Operation Mincemeat. Operation Mincemeat, telling the story of the uh, World War Two operation of the same name, in which the British government decided to mislead uh, some of the Ger- well the Germans in World War Two by uh, placing fake documents on a body, uh, sending it out to sea, and doing everything they could to convince them that there was a, a secret invasion going on, when in reality the plan was to send the Allies in through Spain. Uh, this is another one that looks, I mean, just looking at the cast alone is really fantastic. You've got, a, it, I don't think, I think this is one of those films that you see and you know it's going to be a very British one. Uh, Col- uh, maybe that's just because whenever I see Colin Firth leading a film, I know it's going to be a British one. Well, it's also one. about a, a British operation in World War Two, and, and it's starring a lot of British people. That That's a little bit of a giveaway as well. Oh, yeah, and, uh, about a British operation, Operation Mincemeat. So, yeah. Mincemeat? And this is a, a true life thing, isn't it? Operation Mincemeat was a thing. It actually happened. So it really this happened. is based on, um, on, on a true story. Uh, and the film has been knocking about for a while, as we're still finding. Um, this film, I think, was made last year, but it's getting its cinematic release. Uh, this is coming out again on the, on the 15th of April. Um, so it's directed by John Madden, who who is has got a very good list of films under his belt already. He directed Shakespeare in Love. He directed um, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, he did Miss Sloan recently with Jessica Chastain, which is I really enjoyed a lot. I heard really good things about that one. Yeah. He also did the second best uh, exotic Marigold Hotel, which was also the second best movie in that series. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and Captain Corelli's Mandolin, he did Mrs. Brown, which was the um, the film with, and I've forgotten her name now already, Dame Judi Dench. And uh-huh. uh, she played uh, Queen Victoria and it also had in it Billy Connolly. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a very good film. So he, he's done a lot of That's classic good. British movies. Um, and a few es- episodes of Inspector Morse as well. Oh, so he's had the espionage angle done as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done he's done um, quite a few things already. But uh, but yeah, tell us about the cast because there's a great cast in this. I personally really excited. So Matthew McFadden, uh, Matthew McFadden is an actor who, to me recently, I don't know if you've seen Succession on yeah. HBO. The new he, ever since watching that show, he has really stood out to me. I've really really been looking for another chance to see him do something. So did you ever watch him in Spooks? No, I never saw because, him in Spooks. Either. So he was he was he starred in Spooks for the first two or three years of Spooks, and he was really good in that as this yeah. like quite quite no nonsense tough MI five agent, very different from his character in Succession. Yes, uh, but he was really good in Spooks. I, th- I mean, that's where I first became aware of him, mm. and it's where he met his wife Keely Horse, who was also in Spooks at the same time. Ah. Uh, but uh, but yes, yeah, so you got Matthew McFadden. Who else have you got in there? I've got Kelly McDonald as Jean Leslie. I've got uh, Penelope Wilton as Hester Legas. I've got uh, Johnny Fl- uh, Johnny Flynn as Ian Fleming, which is, I think is one of the most interesting. Well, castings as well, but I think uh, putting a character into a film, specifically putting Ian Fleming in. I mean, that's the person you've got to have in your spy film, isn't it? Yeah. So so Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond, no less. Uh, this was he was involved in this in this thing in World War Two. He was part of it. And I think they poke fun at that a little bit in the movie. Certainly, I've seen a trailer, and there there, there is a little bit of a, a, a fun being had with with that. But yes, it, it, the real life Ian Fleming was involved with this, yeah. and and played quite a part in it. So it, well, imagine it is, imagine getting your experience for your own films by actually doing a real spy operation. Well, well, yeah, quite. Um, this As is, he's known for, yeah. Um, and you missed out Colin Firth. Uh, Colin Firth stars in this movie, uh, and also I noticed uh, Mark Gattis who uh, more recently would be perhaps known for Sherlock, which he actually yes. also wrote and produced. He, yeah, he started he, as well. He was, uh, he's 
starred as Mycroft as That's well. That's right. He was his older one. brother, but and originally wrote... from the League of Gentlemen, the comedy series on the BBC. Ah. Uh, and and I think as well as he been involved with Doctor Who. I seem to oh, think. I want to say that he's definitely. Yeah. So I think in the, some of the more recent series. Yeah, he he's. In, I yes. think. I think he's. Ri- he might have written some of Doctor Who and been involved in some way or other. So yeah, he's got a great cast. Jason Isaacs is in there as well. Um, Harry Potter. Uh, well, not Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, Malfoy's dad. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, he has done a whole body of from. work, but yes, that's, there is that as well. To, to people, to people my age, he'll be known as Malfoy's dad most commonly. But I also remember him being in um, Death of Stalin. He plays uh, General Zukov. Really fantastic role there. And another uh, Death of Stalin alumni, uh, Simon Russell Beale, is in this as well. Yeah, starring as Winston Churchill. Yeah, and and you mentioned there Johnny Flynn. He's the half brother of Jerome Flynn that some people may remember from Robson and Jerome, the singing squaddies. They were both in Soldier Soldiers in the nineties drama um, and then they had a pop career and had a few number ones between them and then more recently he was Bron in Game Bron, of Thrones Bron in Game of Thrones best character okay and, and Ripper Street if anyone watched that he was yes. the star of Ripper Street as well ah. uh, so that's the half brother uh, uh, of Jerome Flynn Johnny Flynn who plays Ian Fleming so that's Operation Mincemeat which is also out uh, this coming Friday the 15th of April Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time now to look at uh, new releases on the streaming services. Just one from Netflix we're going to share with you uh, this time around. And out on uh, the 15th of April on Netflix, we have Choose or Die. Max, what's Choose it or, about? Choose or Die is a Netflix original. Uh, after throwing up a lost 80s survival horror game, a young coder unleashes a hidden curse that tears reality apart, forcing her to make terrifying decisions and face deadly consequences. Mm. I know, very ominous, isn't it? So the story uh, sort of is about this uh, Lola Evans, a sort of young, sort of unknown actor. But uh, she plays the role of a sort of um, a student who really needs to make a lot of money uh, very quickly. So she finds this obscure 1980s horror game in the style of sort of Zork and other text adventures where you'd have to type in, you're in a dark cave. It's uh, stuff you work on when you look at Python and coding now okay. uh, in modern times. But basically there's a $100,000 prize on on the line. Uh, if she can get hold of this computer game and, and sell it, it seems like a sort of um, I don't know, sort of a cursed Charlie in the Chocolate Factory sort of thing, where there's this uh, mystery. This creator put out this mystery uh, mystery video game, and everyone wants to try and find it because it's worth a lot of money, but it's uh, horribly cursed. Okay, all right, um, and uh, and yes, yeah, it's, it's got um, got a couple of uh, names that people may well remember or recognise. Uh, so so go through some of the cast for us. Of course, yeah. So currently, uh, Asher Butterfield seems to be the sort of star. You know, he's in all of the marketing at the moment, but he's really big for Netflix at the moment. Uh, Sex Education. Uh, one of the big comedy shows that lots of people have been watching. So mm. they took the chance to put him. He seems the sort of, uh, he's actually playing the role of the sort of nerdy best friend who seems to know a lot about this computer game worth a lot of money. It is interesting when you look at the uh, the list of the casting because the the character that is the star of it, Kayla, played by Lola Evans, as you just mentioned there, she's actually listed seventh. Yes. Yeah, so so um, clearly they, they've put names that they consider to be bigger above her. Uh, but but yeah, so who else have we got? So we've got Asher Butterfield. Uh, Eddie Marzen, uh, an actor, a British actor who's definitely been in a lot of stuff recently. Uh, I personally remember him for being uh, The World's End. He played a very important 
and roll of that. You know, the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost film. Mm. Edgar Wright, uh, but he's been appearing in lots of stuff recently. Uh, he was in uh, Sherlock Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. series. He played uh, uh, Lestrade in those ones That's as it. well. That's it. He's in the new one that they're, they're making as well at the moment. Uh, again, playing Lestrade. Yeah. Uh, he is in a, a mini series that is going to be massive. Uh, oh, it's called The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe, which is based upon a, a true story about a guy who faked his own death um, and it made it was in all the tabloids at the time um, because uh, yeah it, it, well anyway but he plays John Darwin the, the real life um, person behind that uh-huh. um, yeah so it was about a prison officer who faked his own death to claim life insurance and avoid <laughs> bankruptcy uh, and, and his own kids didn't know that he was actually still alive <laughs> and, and then his picture and his wife's picture was um, like they were on a balcony in in somewhere like South America or somewhere, and it got posted on the internet, and people went, "Hang on a minute, we know who that is." <laughs> oh gosh, that's going to be an interesting one there. But uh, he seems to be playing the sort of uh, the person behind the uh, the cursed uh, the cursed uh, video game that's being uh, sent out into the world. Okay, and and tell us the, the name you you picked in particular because you, you spotted someone straight away from the world of horror. Yes, yeah, so I noticed that IMDb also lists that uh, Robert England is going to be making an appearance in this film. Robert England, of course, uh, being known for being uh, none other than the iconic Freddy Krueger. Uh, it says that he's playing himself here, though. So, you know, maybe he'll be uh, making a brief appearance. Maybe he's a big fan of uh, old cursed video games. Okay. Now, I don't know about you. What I don't know what you think when you hear about a movie that's coming straight out on a, on a, um, a streaming platform. Because back in the day, if a film went straight to video or straight to DVD, I guess, more latterly... That normally meant one thing, and that is it was rubbish. No, not going to make it. It was low budget. Now, sometimes yeah. low budget films actually were quite good, and you would find a, a quite good movie on those things. But but by and large, it, it meant it wasn't good enough for the cinema. And I think because of lockdown, that has skewed things somewhat with, with streaming services, not least the fact that streaming service movies have been contenders for best actor, best picture um, movies at the Oscars the last couple of years. Yeah. But I wonder if as time goes on, whether that's going to change again. I think that's changing. It seems to me here that what we have here is a film that was sort of, might have been made within restrictions of, you know, you can only have seven people on a set, but it's it's a horror film. It's all about feeling alone and isolated. You don't want to have a big cast on that anyway, do you? You want no. a small cast, and having seen the trailer of this one, you want to see them uh, get put in really horrible, gruesome situations. I, I guess my question, Max, is perhaps more that, as a younger person, yeah. do you look at, if somebody says, oh, do you want to watch a particular movie, and you just know it's it's a it's a Netflix movie or it's a prime video movie or, or, or another streaming platform. It's one of their original movies. Does that in any way prejudice you? Do you think, Oh, well, it's, it can't be as good as a, a cinema movie. Oh, no, or, no. or you not, you no, don't think not, of it that way. No, not at all. I think even if it's something that's now being released on a home platform, we're now seeing a case of it doesn't matter really. It's just a case of maybe didn't have the budget to make it to the big screen. But if it's got a good, you know, good script, good performance, if it's something that you can really enjoy and maybe even connect a bit more to because you're in the comfort of your own home, then I don't think that would, uh, you know, impact my view at all. Okay. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Um, certainly, as we've already said, the, um, the, the you know, that there have been movies the last few years that have been contenders for best, best yeah. picture that have been uh, um, streaming service originals. The one that won this year was the first movie to have done it to win the best picture Oscar, and that was an Apple of TV course. movie. Well, there was um, what was it nominated uh, Oscars twenty sixteen. We had the or was it twenty seventeen? It was um. Oh, really important film uh, was it Roma there was Roma Roma which which was a Netflix movie The yeah. Irishman was yes. a Netflix movie and they were both contenders for Oscars I think it's quite funny that we had this a few years ago there was this whole debate but now we've really I think we've jumped over that sort of point of not being too sure we have we have gone you know this is 
this is the way cinema is going. Well, I think before the pandemic, people felt that it was cheating for the for the streaming services mm. because the, to, to qualify for um, awards in the, for the Oscars, they had to be released in a certain number of cinemas. So they did that, and it was just that number of cinemas. So, so some of these movies had a very, very small, limited release in the cinemas yeah. just to qualify. And there was no real chance you'd have to watch these movies in the cinema unless you just so happened to live near one of the cinemas where yeah. they were going to show it. Well, I had that problem. I think when um, I was really set on pa- watching Parasite when it was first coming out, of course, this is back for, before times, right before mm. everything happened. But Parasite was one of those ones where I wanted to see it. It wasn't nominated or anything, but I thought I could only track it down in one cinema in the middle of nowhere when I was staying in, uh, in Essex. And then all of a sudden, uh, a month later, it, it got onto the Oscars circuit and it was in every cinema you, you looked at. Yeah. Yeah, um, but but yes, I, certainly there were some big directors who were quite vocal against the streaming services doing this initially. I suspect with with the lockdown and the last few years with cinemas being as they are and cinema closures and and, and what have you, uh, they might have mellowed somewhat now because some that was the only way that their movies were getting seen in the last two years was mm. uh, was that way. But anyway, there you go. Um, bit of a sidetrack there debating um, um, streaming movies. But but no, the one that you've mentioned, Choose or Die, comes out on the 15th of April. And uh, it looks like an interesting horror, thriller, drama type of thing. It'd be a good ride. The Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Part three of the St. Albans Film Guide is where we let the guide uh, choose a, a film that... They just want to talk about it for a little while, and 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 um, there is normally some kind of theme connected to it. And for Max, it is Max's action films, where you feel Max that these action films take it to the max. Wow, that was really good. I mean, <laughs> that was completely unscripted. That yeah, was. that was unrehearsed and everything. <laughs> but uh, well done. Yeah. So so Max's action films taking it to the max. And uh, where is uh, Max's action films taking us this time around? Well, I'm, I'm practically shaking in my seat with excitement about this one because this is another film that uh, the first time I ever saw this, I think I was blown away by just how much fun it was to watch. Uh, this is 1993's, you'd be surprised it wasn't from the 80s because it feels like it should be 1993's Demolition Man. Okay. Uh, one of the things that, that I think stands out about this movie straight away is on the poster, it says... Because this is a film that involves a bit of time travel. Well, it's not, it's not sort of time, time travel. It's in the future. It's, but It's two people who get from the near future who get frozen in time, a cop and a villain, mm. and then they get thawed out in the future, don't they? Yes, yeah. So, so it's already in the near future to begin with because it, it talks about the, the 21st century's most dangerous <laughs> cop and the 21st century's most ruthless criminal. Um, but this was from the 90s. So, yes. uh, yeah, it was already, um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's um, well. Tell us tell us more. Tell uh, us why you've chosen. Here's it. your little synopsis for you, just to get. Okay. If you haven't seen um, Demolition Man, I'll read you this one paragraph, and you'll 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 pause this podcast to go and watch it. Uh, frozen in 1996, Simon Phoenix, a convicted crime lord played by Wesley Snipes, is revived for a parole hearing well into the 21st century. Revived into a society free from crime, Phoenix resumes his murderous rampage, and no one can stop him. John Spartan, the police officer who captures Phoenix in 1996, has also been cryogenically frozen, this time for a crime he did not commit. In 2032, the former cities of Los Angeles, San Diego and Santa Barbara have merged into a peaceful, utopian San Angeles. Unable to stop him with their non-violent solutions, that's Phoenix that is, the police release Spartan to help recapture him. Now after 36 years, Spartan has to adapt himself to the future society he has no knowledge about. I mean... The, the main character is called uh, John Spartan. Can you really get better than that? Yeah. 
But um, no, 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 sorry, not no. Sorry, it's my no. section. Yeah, no, no, you can't. You're right. Um, it's interesting that this is set in the future. And what year was it? 2032, which is... 10 years from now. It's strange, isn't it? This sort of stuff where um, I was reading something uh, just earlier today about um, uh, Star Trek that in the 60s, they talked about, and of course the Star Trek was set in the 23rd century, but in yes. the 60s they talked about a war that happened in the 90s. Yeah. And then they've recently in, in, in Star Trek, the, the Picard series, they've gone back to the 21st century. And they, they apparently the scriptwriters then had this problem of the fact that they, they'd already established that there was a, a, a war that had happened <laughs> and that a particular dictator was in charge of like three quarters of the planet by the mid-90s. Uh, and now this was set 20 years on from that. And you think, well, how do we incorporate that? Because obviously that never happened. And uh, yeah, and it's just people just never thought back then yeah. that, that these things would still... And it's, it's like that, I think, with... Um, with a lot of these sci-fi movies, you know, you watch Blade Runner, which yes. I think was set in 2019. 2019, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and now you've got this film where, where the future is actually only 10 years' time. 2032 is getting closer. Yeah, you know, yeah. we'll, see if, uh, we'll see if we find ourselves in a, in a quite, as, quite as peaceful a society as they've made themselves in 2032, where there's, you yeah. know, there's no violence, no swearing, uh, and all of the food... food uh, there's, a, there's the fast food wars that mean that uh, Taco Bell is the only restaurant in the future. Now, um, what do the what's the significance of the three seashells? Three seashells. Well, I I really don't know if I can explain that on this podcast. Well, you can have a go. <laughs> well, the three seashells is how. Um, let's see. Where well, you get into the bathroom, you need to find a way to uh, sort things out when you're in the bathroom, don't you? Well, isn't right, Max? I, you, this could take a very long time. Uh, was it not that that part of the joke in the movie was that? No one really ever explained to him <laughs> what the three seashells were. And I'm still but, not too sure. But they played a, a part in how you went to the toilet. Yes. And everyone was mocking him because he didn't know how to use them. Was that, was that not basically... That is, that is the correct joke. But right the there. movie never explained what they no. actually are and what they're there for. And it was just this ongoing joke that he didn't know how to use the three seashells. And you just have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. And, and it was like, oh, everyone knows that. I think we, we can adapt the three. We've got 10 years. We can get the three seashells working. Yeah. I'm sure there's a theory online somewhere as to what they actually did and how you <laughs> used them. But uh, anyway. Also, Wesley Snipes in this film, is he's just, he's having the time of his life. He really is. Every single line that, uh, that Simon Phoenix has, he, I bust a gut every single time. He just, he clearly just wants to, you know, chew the scenery, shout and be the, the best bad guy he can be. Yeah, it's um, it's it's great. Um, you know, the, the the movie is it does have that feel of of an eighties action movie, albeit in the nineties. But it, it it does it does have that that feel about it, and and it's a bit more fun than some of Stallone's action movies, which yeah. some of them were quite brutal and and quite cold. Um, whereas this one, he does he does show that it's a bit lighter. Yeah, um, and I even remember. Uh, Sting did the music, or at least he did a he did the theme song for it, which which I think had charted just about. It was called Demolition Man. Theme of Demolition Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he did a song called Demolition Man. But also the the female in it, uh, the very early part for Sandra Bullock. Yeah, Sandra Bullock as well. Really, really sort of leans in. So in this future society where everyone is you know very by the books and rigid, Sandra Bullock is this historian who's obsessed with the uh, the the rebelliousness of the nineties. Yeah, uh, I, I'm intrigued to know whether or not she's actually tipex this out of her like you know. TV, whether whether it's still on there, but uh, but yeah, this was a very early starring role for for uh, for Sandra Bullock as well, who I think was quite good in it. And I think this might have been the year before Speed. Yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? Uh, nineteen ninety three. Speed would have been nineteen ninety four. 
I think you're right. Yes, you are. You're right. well done. Yes, yes. So yeah, this was the year before, and this was probably her first starring role. I would have said. Um, looking at the looking at the other credits below, I, I, not films I've heard of. She does a good. I think to go up against. I mean, Stallone, who's you know, sort of in the peak of his career at this point, is he to go up against him and really she does a really good job. You know, uh, she that, holds her own beside him. Yeah, yeah, easily. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, that's Demolition Man, which is uh, Max's action film because Max likes his action films to take it to the max. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Let's go now to Max's uh, choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead, commencing uh, Friday the 15th of April. And we have ITV2, 8pm, Skyfall. We've got an absolute classic to get this week started off. So Skyfall, fantastic one. You know it as the third entry in Daniel Craig's James Bond film. Uh, James Bond's latest assignment goes gravely wrong uh, during uh, during a mission abroad. Uh, He's attacked and he disappears off the face of the earth. Uh, However, after a certain... uh, certain master terrorist uh, comes onto the scene uh mi6 have no choice but to get him back when he's a bit out of shape not quite doing his best but he's brought on to uh brought on to deal with uh none other than a uh you know rao silver a sort of you know big cyber terrorist who actually seems to have a connection to m uh played by judy dench in this one that who plays rao silver uh javier bardem uh, who yeah. is sort of a so Bond is drawn into this very sort of a, this intrigue case involving M. Who I think it's really interesting that M in the previous films didn't really know much about uh, any of them really as a character. They sort of stood there to guide James. Whereas in this one we go into M and we go to Judy Dench's M. We really give her a chance to shine. Uh, and I just think this film everyone is really giving their all in it. Okay, uh, where do you think it it stands compared to Daniel Craig's other Bond movies? <sighs> See, it's really close for me. Uh, I having rewatched Casino Royale recently. Uh, Casino Royale really go, goes up highly for me, but I think it's always really close between, depending on which one I've seen most recently, between Casino Royale and Skyfall. I think that um, yeah, I think it's difficult to say which is Daniel Craig's best because he's done some very fine ones, and mm. I, I would probably say it is between uh, Casino Royale and Skyfall too. Uh, the great supporting cast uh, in, in these movies as well. That the the people that that they pull together, you know, Ben Whishaw and um, yes. y- you've got in there as well, Ray Fiennes uh, and Naomi Harris. Rory Kinnear as well. Rory Kinnear as well. Yeah. Sorry, yes, I forgot him. Uh, so, you know, all, all those 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 people who became the stalwarts of Daniel Craig's uh, yeah. Bond movies. I think it's, this is the first one that really sort of, while we have um, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace sort of established this universe, this is the one that really starts bringing it into a, like a bigger picture, the mm. idea there's, there's more than just Bond in this world. Yeah, and, and uh, excellently directed by Sam Mendes 
uh, who, who is no slouch when it comes to to directing. You know, he's no. a fine body of work. And I, I mean, this film looks beautiful. I mean, there's one particular scene. I'm sure you know, you'll know which one I'm talking about. Where there's a scene involving a sniper, where they sneak into a, a room full of you know billboards and flashing lights somewhere in somewhere in China, which has one of the, the best fist fights you'll see in a James Bond film, all lit lit so intriguingly. Mm. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's a phenomenal one. Um, Adele with the music as well. The first uh, Bond theme song to win an Oscar, uh, and uh, and subsequently they've all won an Oscar. Um, <laughs> but she started it off, and uh, and yeah, it's it's just everything about it. It was just just stunning and breathtaking. A, a first class Bond film, if ever there were one. That's uh, Skyfall uh, on ITV2, 8pm on Friday the 15th of April. Uh, Let's move to Saturday the 16th of April, Film 4, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, in this animated film, uh, teenager Miles Morales becomes the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Man of his universe. A bit of uh, getting the title in there. Uh, yeah, he becomes the Spider-Man of his universe and must join forces with five spider-powered individuals from other dimensions to stop a threat to all realities. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the most recent live-action Spider-Man film has borrowed from that somewhat, hasn't it? Yes. So this is an animated one, but it got a cinematic release and and it was very critically acclaimed. I was so this was one of the ones that I when it was first coming out I made a point if I really wanted to see it in the cinema. Big fan of Spider Man. Think he's the you know best of the superheroes going about. But this one just um, it's really lovingly made is what I found. It's one of the most gorgeous looking animated films I think you'll ever see. Really trying to nail that like comic book look. So when this one was coming out and when it actually uh, started being nominated for Oscars, I. You know, I'm not. I don't really like throw my hat into the Oscars as often as I can. But didn't, I was didn't just get nominated; it won an Oscar. Exactly, it was really big, and I, I pretty much supported this, and I wanted this to really do well. And frankly, uh, a couple of years down the line, the fact that it's it was significant enough to inspire what's going on with the mainline sort of Spider-Man like film series definitely shows that it had some sort of output. Mm. Yes, it won. Um, it won best animated feature at the Oscars, and uh, it also won a couple of Baftas as well. Uh, it was it won best feature film at the BAFTA Children's Award, and then in the main BAFTA Awards, it won best animated feature, uh, as well as a load of other eighty-two awards it won um, and fifty-seven further nominations, which is quite impressive. Eighty-two awards. Yeah, I mean, some of those are like you know we could have given it an award and that had counted. It's that sort of. So they're, they're Can we make all... it eighty-three? Can I give it an award right now? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the and and the, yeah, the whole idea of the the Spider Verse, which which. It, you know, was I mean, it, I, I don't know if this is unfair or not, but it was kind of borrowed in this most recent live action movie. They they borrowed that concept that yeah. where suddenly something went a bit wrong, that, that, that you know, universes were, were, were split apart and then other Spider-Men from other franchises appeared. I suppose you've got a point. It is, you, know, you can argue it's, it's Steve, in a way, it's a comic book film, isn't it? I'm sure there's, like, if you go back, there's probably a million comic films that have done the whole, like, ooh, I'm so-and-so from another universe. Well, it's, been, it's already also been done in the Rivals um, cinematic universe. And D- DC have done it as well. Oh, you know, yeah. they've, they've done this. Um, and it's, it's yes, yeah, so both, both comic book franchises have done this sort of thing. It's yeah. not, I, I think as comic books go, it's not that original yeah. a concept. But putting it up onto the big screen, perhaps, is, is slightly more original. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, so lots of different iterations of Spider-Man. So Miles Morales is the main featured character in this universe. Yeah, but but then you do also get the um, Peter Parker, the one that other people might know of. Jake Johnson playing a uh, Peter B. Parker, as if he's a B, as in he's pretty much the lamest Spider-Man you'll ever encounter in this film. Like yeah. you know, really going through midlife crisis, Spider-Man. But I didn't realize some of the other Spider-Man voices: uh, Chris Pine and Nicolas Cage. Yeah, oh, Nicolas Cage plays fantastic. He plays the the very gothic. Uh, Spider-Man you've got Hayley Steinfeld in this one as well she's really picking up recently she starred alongside Jeremy Renner in the new Hawkeye series lots of deep films she's definitely uh, getting big run what did she star in she was um, Coen Brothers film about cowboys oh oh, uh, True Grit True Grit yeah the the True Grit remake with uh, Jeff Bridges yeah Yeah, you've got uh, Mahashala Ali uh, Oscar winner there as well mm-hmm. uh, play, uh, playing uh, Miles's uncle in this you've got uh, let's see uh, Lily Tomlin's in there as well uh, Zoe Kravitz uh, is there Liv Shriver there's loads of um, loads of interesting names uh, Oscar Isaac is in yeah. there as well play, doing a voice in it playing so, interesting person number one that's yeah. a spoiler for you so if you like your superhero movies the chances are you'd already be aware of this film at the very least but if, you, if you've been put off because you think oh it's animated I only watched the live action ones don't don't do that. Yeah. Watch this one because this one is really good. It is worthy uh, to sit alongside all the other. You'd be doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's Max's choice for Saturday the 16th of April. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Let's move to Sunday the 17th of April. Easter Sunday. Mrs. Doubtfire. 6.30pm on Film 4. What a what a wonderful family movie. Great film to pick for an Easter Sunday, isn't it? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Robin Williams stars uh, as an actor who disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children after a bitter divorce has him split, splitting custody with his former wife. Yeah. Another, um, another connection to the James Bond world in this? Oh yes, of course, because Pierce Brosnan makes an appearance. Yes, and it's not the final James Bond connection of these movies. And earlier on, we had the fil- a film featuring Ian Fleming, the James Bond creator. The James Bond seems to be working his way through these these movies, finding a way. It's almost like he's going to throw himself into the uh, the Max's action films at some point. But we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, uh, but but I remember Mrs. Doubtfire being one of the first movies that I remember where the ending mild spoiler maybe here but the ending isn't the Hollywood ending where often in these sorts of family movies where the, the mum and the dad are apart and, and the get dad's trying together. to get back into it it would normally end with the with the families getting back together yeah. this doesn't end that way but it ends beautifully yeah. and, it, and it's, it is a very happy ending I think it's a very Robin Williams ending isn't it it feels like Robin Williams would say that you know, it's got to be and what's sort of a zany concept it has this it's still got a sort of grounded but happy ending yeah yeah and um, and also Sally Field is great in there as his ex-wife and as the mother of his children she's, yes. she's really good Piers Brosnan's very funny in this yes. he doesn't have to send himself up in it just before Bond <laughs> this was for him uh, but but he's uh, he's in there too you wonder uh, if that put everything at risk for him didn't it playing, a joke, playing something where he didn't take himself too seriously but I suppose it was 90s Bond well, I th- but this was before Bond. I think at this point he'd given up on his dream of ever being Bond, and because this was a good two years before he got cast, and and it was rather famous that in the mid eighties he was he was almost Bond. So I think by this time he he possibly thought, well, that gig's not for me anymore. I'm just going to make movies and have a bit of fun. Um, but he didn't do him any harm because then two years later he did Goldeneye. He feels like he had a laugh doing this yeah. as well. So yeah. Uh, so Mrs. Doubtfire, six thirty p.m. on Sunday, the seventeenth of April. Let's move to Monday, the eighteenth of April, Easter Monday, nine p.m. on ITV Four. Surely it's not Airplane. Airplane with an exclamation mark. Oh, you didn't do the joke, Max. Oh, the... Surely, surely, I am serious, sh- and don't call me Shirley. 
I can't believe I've done myself a disservice I, there. I tell you what, we're going to win comedy podcast awards here. I can feel it. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, comedy for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> so airplane, absolute classic. Uh, a man afraid to fly must ensure that a plane lands safely after the pilots become sick. Uh, just to check something, Danny, have you seen this one before? No, I haven't. You have uh, not seen this not one? Not yet. This is a film that I intend to watch. In a way, I feel like I have because there's so many... I've probably seen so many of the scenes from it now. You know, for example, I knew the joke about, you know, surely it's it's sure. not airplane. And, and you, that, you've seen that is, it. And that you is a good point. The joke, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is also from um, a, a, a trio, um, uh, Zuka, Abrams and Zuka, who also made the Naked Gun movies as well. And they're known for this kind of zany, um, slapstick visual comedy as well. A lot of the jokes, you, you see them on the screen and, and, and you can almost miss them if you're not paying it attention. Is, it's jam-packed full of jokes. I mean, I think I could rewatch this now and I'd probably see three jokes that I've never seen before. Yeah, and it was the three of them that directed it as well. It was uh, you know, three people directed it and, and those same three, um, Abrams, Zuka and Zuka, they wrote it as well. Uh, but but also the the cast was um, quite I, I think again interesting casting because it cast a lot of actors who used to so this sends up um, disaster movies yeah. and it casts a lot of actors who used to be in disaster movies which which, which really is a, a, an interesting thing that just looking down here like Peter Graves and Robert Stack and Lloyd Bridges uh, and and Leslie Nielsen and Robert Hayes they've all been in those sorts of movies before which is so crazy to me because I think Leslie Nielsen I think well no doubt you think of him as um you think of him as the guy from the Naked Gun and Airplane you think he's always been a bit zany and you know taking the mickey out of himself but maybe they just maybe you reach a point where you've done so many disaster movies you think the last thing you want to do is another serious one so you might as well just go for the one that's about uh, the silliest airplane on the planet. Well, I think yes. Yeah, so I think after, as a result of these movies, he got known then as a as a, a fantastic comedic actor. And then after Airplane, he did go on to do Police Squad, which was a TV series made yes. by these people, who which was where the Naked Gun came from. It was a spin off from from that. Uh, but but yeah, before that, he was in all sorts of things where he was often playing quite serious characters, um, and and also he was in the um, the movie Forbidden Planet, which was a very famous fifties B movie that was uh, based loosely on the Tempest. Oh. It was a space version, and it was a classic nineteen fifties sci fi movie, and he starred in that. And and when you watch that now. Knowing what you, you kind of find it funny, but he's not playing it for last. He's yeah. all very stoic and serious and quick to the to the ship, you know. Or I guess that's what let him, lets him do this, the deadpan delivery so well in this in like airplane and these other films, isn't it? Is that he's he's done the the sort of serious stoic job, and he's realised that he can play it completely straight and still get laughs out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 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 many ways, play it the exact same way. But 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 you know, people find it funny. So yeah, just just keep going with it. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So um, yeah, Leslie Leslie Nielsen. This this probably was the thing that most people became more aware of him from. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Aeroplane, uh, which is Max's choice for uh, Monday the eighteenth of April, ITV four nine pm. So let's move to Tuesday and uh, the 19th of April on Film 4. Uh, we have 4.30pm. We have another animated movie. Your second one of, of this week. Seeing a trend this week. Uh, this, this is The Adventures... This is 2011's The Adventures of Tintin. Uh, intrepid reporter Tintin and his friend Captain Haddock set off on a treasure hunt for a sunken ship commanded by Haddock's ancestor. From Peter Jackson and Steven Spielberg with Steven Spielberg directing. Uh, this, so this film is actually, as someone who grew up with the Tintin books as a, as a child, this really sort of um, takes the stories that 
the, um, that were made originally by Hergé about uh, Tintin the Explorer and these sort of these mysteries and uncovering things with his dog Snowy, of course. So I don't know, know too much about Tintin, but were these graphic novels or cartoon? Um, they, they were um, comics, were they? Yeah, so like French comic like graphic novels. That, right. um, sort a bit of like really, Asterix. A little bit like Asterix, so more, sort of tying in uh, very much... More in the spirit of Indiana Jones, I would say. They, okay. they really sort of ha- captured that sort of essence of Indiana Jones. Of course, Spielberg being mm. involved as well makes perfect sense. But but what I meant is that it, so it was um, th- these were co- comics. They they were drawn. It wasn't. It these weren't like um, books like uh, I don't know like like the Famous Five or you know they weren't. Oh no, they weren't. Yeah. It wasn't the written word. It was not like Harry Potter. They, these were like the Asterix um, books, which yes. were comics. Yes, yes, so comics, yeah. comics originally, yeah. So this is an adaptation, sort of takes the comic and brings it to real life. So this okay. is an adaptation of one of the most famous stories, uh, which is The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret Unicorn. And what? Did, how did it look compared to then what your experience of the comics? Did, was, did you... Did it feel like, wow, I am watching it come to life? Or did it feel like it was a different style? Or what? It, feel, it fits this very interesting middle ground where it sort of has this faux realism. It's not quite the comic is very comic-y. This sort of finds this really good in-between where it's it, it's not trying to be too lifelike. It has its own sort of stylized look. But it's um, but it really sort of carries it well. Uh, the world itself looks very real, and I suppose it's the characters who sort of find this in-between of, you know, you have people who have dots for eyes. How can you make them look like actual human beings? But um, it really does it, and it's really fantastically made. The plot is very tight. Uh, of course, being you know produced by uh, Jackson and Spielberg, you've got a screenplay created by Stephen Moffat, Edgar Wright, and Joe Cornish. Mm-hmm. All quite famous names there. You'll know they've all had lots of good work. And the cast itself, really, uh, while it is this, um, while it's animated, it's not quite um, not quite motion captured. But you've got these voices really bringing to life these characters on top of the motion. You've got Jamie Bell playing Tintin himself. Jamie Bell has. British star who's done, you know, quite a few films. Uh, you know, I'm sure you will have known something. Andy Serkis, of course, oh, is starring. Clearly more than you know. <laughs> more than I know off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, Jamie Bell was uh, in Billy Elliot. That was probably his, his big breakthrough uh, thing. Uh, more recently, he was in Rocket Man as well. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he's done a load, load of other he stuff. Was in that, well. He was in a bit of that, that NAF Fantastic Four remake as well, but we don't talk about that one. <laughs> no, no, he'd probably be grateful that you didn't bring it up again. <laughs> he'd rather you bring up Tintin than that. Yeah. Um, and so, but he was also in um, King Kong, the Peter Jackson version oh, yeah, of King of Kong as well. He was in that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Again, you see this whole case of you know working with people. You know, you know, you know, you've got the perfect situation for them. And he was in Defiance, which was a movie that starred Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig also in this one. Daniel Craig actually playing the bad guy in this one. He sort of plays the. Um, if you've got Andy Serkis playing Captain Haddock, most people know Captain Haddock. He's the sort of uh, the gruff pirate that's mates with Tintin. Uh, he's the one who they're trying to solve this mystery for. Daniel Craig's sort of the reverse of this. He's someone who believes that he's entitled to treasure. He's playing a really interesting character in this one who's not, not quite to type, really. He's a very eccentric old professor type. And, uh, and yeah, and the second appearance of him in this week's films as well. Yeah, another, another James Bond making an appearance there. We're, we're, we're racking him up this time. Okay, so that's, um, that's The uh, Adventures of Tintin, 4.30pm uh, on Film 4, Tuesday the 19th of April. Now on to Wednesday the 20th of April. ITV4, we have the film Under Siege. Oh, very close contender for uh, the action, you know, the action film, Max's action film section here. We have Under Siege, uh, 1992. An ex-Navy SEAL turned cook is the only person who can stop a group of terrorists when they seize control of a US battleship. Of course, Steven Seagal here starring as Ryback the chef who is actually a chef with a lot with a lot more skills than just cooking shall we say yeah yeah he has a particular set of skills doesn't he and uh it's um yeah i've heard it said before that this is basically like die hard on on a boat 
It kind of is, really, on a naval <laughs> vessel, isn't it? It's diehard on a naval vessel. I don't, I don't think it pretends to be anything that it's not, which is that uh, Steven Seagal is going to beat up a load of mooks on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, um, and uh, th- I love this film. Uh, tell us about some of the other cast, because there was some very, there, there's one in particular I, that I think was outstanding in this movie. I, I was going to lead on and say that there was a particular uh, member of this start, cast who absolutely, completely caught me by surprise because he did not play a character I expected him to. Tommy Lee Jones in this as a William Stranix, who's sort of the bad guy who comes across as like a punk rocker in his first sort of uh, appearance, which is the last thing you'd think of Tommy Lee Jones doing, isn't it? So for me, this was the first thing I saw Tommy Lee Jones in. Really? Um, and I hadn't seen because a lot of the things that you would know him from Man would have Black. come later f- than this would have been a lot later than this movie I mean he had done a lot of things before but I hadn't seen him in anything before Under Siege but I did think at the time even though I didn't know who he was I just thought he's he's good in this yeah. he's playing this he's 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 cool he's got a he's got a swagger to him you know there was a cockiness in his in his portrayal and, and yeah he was great he's given it his all in this yeah the thing now I found disconcerting about this, and you do have to put this to one side really and just enjoy the spectacle of it all, but, you know, a, a, a ship full of na- trained naval personnel who were pathetic <laughs> and the only person who could get these poor saps out of trouble from half a dozen terrorists was the cook. Yeah. And you sort of think... But it's not just any cookie, Steven Seagal. You're missing the point of the film. Well, maybe I am, but I kind of think, all right, I can fully accept that Steven Seagal, who was a Navy SEAL in this movie, who then now is the cook, I can accept that that could happen. That's quite possible. He could have all of those skills. But to make out he's the only one on that ship who could do all that. You know, these, these aren't like people who... You know, I don't. You know, they're not like mechanics, or they're not. You know, these are trained soldiers. You know, they're all, they're all sailors. They're all military people. There's probably a load of marines on board. You know, the Steven Seagal would not have been the only one. You know, I wouldn't have picked this film if I'd known you had such a bone to pick but, with it. But do you not think? Like, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, you, if you can put that to one side, it's and not really think about the movie. It's very enjoyable. Which is the secret to any action film? It's it seems to be the secret maybe, to his movies. Maybe you do have a point. Maybe you have a point that in the in the Steven Seagaliverse, we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is a problem in that Steven Seagal is the most capable person there. No, you do no it's not that he's the most. I can even accept that he might be the highest trained and the best skilled. But it made him no the only capable. one. And the rest of them were just all a bit pathetic. And then when he goes and rescues them at the end, they all cheer for him and they all give him a big round of applause when he gets them out of the mess hut because of all these poor little fragile little soldiers, you know, bless them. They're all like trained men, you know, and women who can, you know, do stuff, have skills. <sighs> anyway, pretty good film. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gary Boosie's in there as well. And he, he's kind of, he's just enjoying himself immensely and, you know, showing himself to be a bit a bit nutty yeah 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 I feel stretched by all accounts for, for Gary Boosie but he's in there and also a, a woman who at the time was probably more famous than Pamela Anderson for coming from Baywatch but but very quickly sank without trace Eleanor mm. Eleniak I think her name yeah, was yeah Erica Eleniak she does a really fantastic job in this film as well yeah 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 who plays a playboy centrefold which is a real stretch <laughs> for her given that I think she was one um, but she was the Pamela Anderson before Pamela Anderson she, I think, in fact, Pamela Anderson replaced her on Baywatch. Oh, uh, but this, you know, there was there was this belief that she was going to be the next big thing, and 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 she did this movie, which was which was huge. But uh, but Pamela, yeah, Pamela Anderson didn't do Under Siege. So. No, no, she did barbed wire, and, and the less said about that, the better. <laughs> but anyway, Under Siege, Seagal's finest movie. Oh, I, I mean, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna say that personally. 
I wouldn't have thought it was hard to not say that because most of his films are terrible. But this one, really good. Under Siege, 9pm, ITV4, Wednesday the 20th of April. You have arguably saved one of your best movies to the end. Thursday the 21st of April, ITV4, The Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, an absolute classic. Jake Blues rejoin Blake... Jake Blues rejoins with his brother Elwood after being released from prison. The duo has just days to reunite the old R&B band and save the Catholic home where the two were raised, outrunning the police as they tear through Chicago. And what a what a wonderful movie! What what a, you know the, the the soundtrack alone is classic. Oh, the rawhide the rawhide bar scene will always live in my memory, and that's why that's I mean the whole film is perfect, but that scene alone has earned it a place on this uh, on this listing. Yeah, and uh, and and it, now, do you, do you know where the characters came from? I don't know if you were aware. I'm not, I don't actually know the history. You know, I've seen the Blues Brothers. Uh, I don't know the history actually. So it just so they came that... from a sketch on or a series of sketches on Saturday Night Live, uh, oh. where a lot of um, a lot of American comedy films have come in mm. from that direction. Wayne's World was another one that was actually um, sketches on on Saturday Night Live, and then they made it into a movie. And the Blues Brothers was the same, and, and it was uh, J- the late John Belushi and um, Dan Aykroyd, uh, and and yeah, they, they they had a big screen adventure, which which was a classic movie, and and an awful lot of the the music that they featured, the people performing those songs appeared in the movie um, Aretha Franklin was in there somewhere Ray Charles was in there yes. somewhere uh, there was lots of people Carrie Fisher from Star Wars Carrie was in Fisher there she had a yeah. cameo role in. there's lots of cameos in the Blues Brothers I think everybody just took a chance to jump into the film but I suppose that's a Saturday Night Live isn't it I, I, there's so much, so many American actors and comedians sort of have their roots for that I think they all want to be part of the homage but really fantastic cast John Belushi Dan Aykroyd amazing John Candy one of my personal favourite actors I think he's always a treasure to see on the screen also making an appearance as well okay yeah and also it was not just um, starring Dan Ackwood in, um, but he also wrote it along with the director John Landis hmm. uh, and John Landis is someone I find I keep saying this today but he, 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 he's interesting I don't mean I keep saying John Landis I keep saying the word interesting but um, I need to come up with a better um, uh, grasp of grammar and, and words really I need to get me words better sorted but uh, <laughs> but uh, John Landis also did um, I think it was the year after maybe it was American Werewolf in London mm. very very different movie to the Blues Brothers shows that you've got range well, yes, yes, without doubt. You know, he he's done some some yeah very, very good movies. Uh, so, yeah, but he started out do, he started out doing a lot of this comedy stuff. Uh, Trading Places was a great movie that he mm. did as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, Coming to America was John Landis, the Eddie Murphy movie, really the original one, not the really bad um, one that they did recently. We don't talk about that. No, one. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop Three. He also did. So you know, you can't have everything. Uh, and also he did the Blues Brothers sequel, which wasn't very good. Yeah, no, we, again, we don't talk about that one no, either. But, what are you talking about? They didn't make a sequel. We're going to memory hole that one. No, but the first one, um, undeniable classic. Fantastic. You'll have, you'll have the time of your life watching it. Yeah, and, and, and the soundtrack as well. Such a good soundtrack if you like that kind of blues music. Mm. That's the Blues Brothers, 9pm on Thursday the 21st of uh, April on ITV4, concluding Max's choice of films for the week ahead. Which one of those would be your uh, film of the week? You know, every single time I do this, I say it gets more and more difficult. And this week, I'm having an absolute nightmare picking which one it's going to be. I think it's going to have to be Pure Value Alone, 
memory for what it stands at like what it's worth the blues brothers is going in as the film you have to watch this week okay so if you can only watch one of those movies it's the blues brothers max thank you very much no, it's been a pleasure uh, it, next week the film guide sees the return of uh, producer sam uh, doing the film guide uh, so uh, yeah we will have her here um, and yeah thank you Max uh, you can catch this well you'd know where to catch this from you're hearing it right now but uh, there, check out the other podcasts that are available as well look on the website com. Max uh, see you again soon see you soon